This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey friends, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I am so grateful you're here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids, and I hope that it provides you some community, support, education, inspiration, a big hug, whatever it is you need. Today, my guest is Shanira Williamson, and she is the host of the Brown Mama Bear podcast. I found out about Shanira on Donald Miller's podcast, which is a business podcast, and she was getting advice from him about how to go about starting this community that she has created, this awesome community for parents raising brown children in white spaces. Shanira provides a place for parents to get the support, inspiration, and input they need to raise kids who are comfortable in their skin and compassionately leave their mark on society. I was so inspired by listening to Shanira on Donald Miller's podcast and immediately sent her a message because I wanted to hear more about what she was doing. She is the mom of three daughters, and after her youngest went to college, she reflected on her own life and what she learned over the years of parenting, and she wanted to share and help others walking through the same types of situations she's walked through. Shanira says all children deserve to grow up in an environment where they are seen, celebrated, and given the tools to succeed. The sting of racism embedded in our society can affect the confidence, self-respect, and ambition of children of color. Specifically, parents of black and brown children must take steps to uproot the bias, negative stereotypes, and discrimination that threaten the physical and emotional safety of our developing young people. Ultimately, with the guidance of an engaged brown mama bear, our kids can thrive and reach their God-given potential despite the barriers they face. I want you all to go listen to her podcast and learn more about what she's doing. But for now, I hope this conversation on this podcast will be helpful for you. And I know that you will enjoy getting to know Shanira and her story. This episode of the podcast is supported by Gooder. If you are looking for some awesome sunglasses, look no further than Gooder. They have the cutest styles, really fun. And they also have classic styles as well, like the Breakfast Run to Tiffany shades. Those are my favorites. I wear them all the time. You probably see them in my Instagram stories if you follow me over there, lindsayhine626. I'm always wearing those sunglasses. And best of all, Gooder sunglasses are durable. We need some durable sunglasses in our life when we have young kids. You all can save when you go to gooder.com. Use the code Lindsay15 for 15% off your order. Go grab yourself a pair. Go gift a pair to one of your buddies, one of your friends. Again, that's gooder.com. Use the code Lindsay15 for 15% off your order. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Shanira. All right. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have Shanira Williamson on the show. Welcome to the show, Shanira. Thank you for having me. So excited to talk with you. I told you this already, but your podcast has been in my ears for the last 48 hours and I'm loving it. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I am so glad to be here because why is everyone yelling is what my kids used to say to me. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I mean, I named it that for two reasons. One, 
because I was always yelling and I didn't want to be the mom that was always yelling. But two, even ever since I launched this show two years ago, so many times my husband and I look at each other and one of us is going, why is everyone yelling? Because everybody's <laughs> running around screaming. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so Brown Mama Bear, that is your podcast. And I yeah. learned about you from Donald Miller, which how cool is it? You were on his podcast and he gave you all sorts of business advice. Was that like, how cool was that? Dream come true. Dream come true. Um, I read Blue Like Jazz back when my oldest one was born, I believe, like 2001, I think, 2002, something like that. Anyway, it's like coming full circle. Um, so to be able to talk to Donald Miller was really great. And his advice was just, I mean, it was amazing. So tell us what Brown Mama Bear is. Brown Mama Bear is my concept of giving other women what I wish I had. Mm. <laughs> Brown Mama Bear is a place for support, encouragement, and input for raising black and brown children in predominantly white spaces. Now, when I say predominantly white spaces, that could mean anything, but it literally means all of us that live in America. Because even if you live in um, certain enclaves like I don't know, Prince George's County, Maryland, or some suburbs of Atlanta or Chicago, you still, once you leave that environment of um, a predominantly black middle-class neighborhood, whatever it is that you're living in, that's not where your entire life is. And so we all have these things that we have to do to both provide things for our children and protect them from things in order for their sense of self to be healthy as they enter the world. Tell us about your thoughts and theories on like school, community, and what we do at home. Okay. Well, I just believe that these are three different areas that formation happens as we're raising our children. So um, not everyone, you know, actually goes to a physical school. Some people are educated at home, um, but still they are in these um, groups where they will still come together for education. So Whatever you do for education <laughs> is a thing. And when my kids would leave school in the morning, I just remember feeling like they're about to spend more time in that school building than they do in our home today. You know, so the uh, awake at least. <laughs> and so the formation of their of their um, thoughts about themselves, how smart they are, what all of that really is taking place outside of my home. And so there are things I need to do inside of my home to make sure that they're prepared for that. Um, but then in the community as well, um, I have a daughter who was just walking in our neighborhood and she loves to run. She loves the outdoors. And someone asked her, how long have we lived here? Well, we lived here since the community started 16 years ago and they were new <laughs> like within two years of living in the community and so this idea that um sometimes that white people uh can easily walk around with that they don't even realize is that they can question someone else or assume that they are meant to be in a space but someone else isn't mm -hmm. is something we have to prepare our children for um so i have to do it in the community in school, and then there's things I do in our home to make sure they're ready for that. How old was your daughter when that happened? That was very recently. Really? Um, I want to say she was a she was a teenager, okay. like, <laughs> like mm -hmm, high teens. Tell me your conversation with her after that happened. 
um, well, she was she was just really irritated, actually. Yeah. Um, and so so her irritation came out in me just asking the next question, you know, and, and at this point, we have done so many things to try to build into who she is that my point my 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 goal is that at that age, she can stand on her own two feet and speak into the situation in real time. Um, it still catches you off guard, though. It still catches you off guard when people um, treat you as other. And so I wanted to just make sure she was okay. So that's why I kept asking her questions, because if you're caught off guard, you don't do what you, you don't say what you wish you would have said, then you can ruminate over it later mm-hmm. and have should have, could have, would have. Um, I call it my my jerk store moment. Um, there's a Seinfeld episode where George wishes he would have said something. It's a whole thing. Go look it up. <laughs> oh, wait. George always wishes he would have done something differently. Oh, 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 yes. Oh, yeah. And so, but all of that, I didn't want that to kind of sit in her mind and stay. So I just kept asking her questions. So what did you say? How did that make you feel? And then happened. You know? So it wasn't so much me instructing her that time. It was me just helping pull it out and for her to go back. And and I think she handled it well and was proud of what she had done. Um, but same daughter, same daughter had um, a situation like a week later where she was um, mistaken for another black neighbor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's only three of us in the neighborhood, only three black families in the neighborhood. And um. And so somebody just said, oh, I love, I love your dog. And she's like, oh, we don't have a dog. Yes, you do. Oh. You do have a dog. Because I saw you with your, and it was like, I would know if I had a dog. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what brought you to the neighborhood you're in and the choices you made with the school system and all that? Yeah. So we moved here. uh, I live in Franklin, Tennessee. We moved here about 16 years ago and we moved because my husband's job moved us to Nashville. And so we were just looking for um, what's the best place that we are not not being from Tennessee, not knowing a lot. um, We just did all of our research and came on this county like, okay, this is the county that we're told that, you know, has some um, good schools. And so that, that's really what it was for us. Um, I asked my realtor, would you do interviews with me at three of the best schools in the area? And I'll pick where, where my house is based on the school. So, um, I liked the principal at the elementary school down the street, the best. And so that's why I'm here. I love it. So part of what you're doing with Brown Mama Bear though, is mm-hmm. you're providing a space for mothers of black and brown children um, to learn and grow from what you learned along the way. And you also say like from the mistakes you made. Absolutely. So tell us about all of that. Well, I would say that um, everything that's a part of my life has gotten me to the place where I am right now, you know, and and I think that's true for all of us. But um, at this point, I have an empty nest. And so from an empty nest, I can easily go, Man, I made some mistakes. <laughs> and we'll all feel like that. Yes, absolutely. And not all of them are are um, mistakes that I'm like, uh, you know, say, like, yeah, I did the best I could. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like, mm-hmm. it's not monumental. Um, but I would say one of the big mistakes that I made was not recognizing that my children aren't 
just an extension of the experience I had as one of the few black people in predominantly white schools. Um, we lived in a different area. We lived in a different time. And while I believe um, racism has been here since the beginning, uh, since before the country was founded, because the first Africans came on the shore in 1619. So I believe that from then we have we have seen this. Um, and I would say maybe even before then, because um, indigenous people experienced when Europeans came mm -hmm. here as well. So it's just kind of baked into the system. Doesn't mean that everyone is bad and that, that we can't overcome some things, but, but you have to understand it's baked into the system. And so what I've seen is that every generation has a different iteration of it. And so the biggest mistake I made was thinking that because I knew what it was like, for instance, to be called the N-word on the playground, that I understood it and I could help my kids. And I was like, okay, this is what you need to do. But that's not necessarily so. And as parents, I think we need to respect every generation. And so my parents grew up in a generation where they were never allowed to go to integrated schools. Um and so that was just, I mean, that's my, that's my parents it's insane. Those are the people who raised me. Yeah. Um, they never went to integrated schools. So it's not that long ago. And that's what I wanted to help my children realize. So I stand in the middle of these two generations where my children have experiences that my parents could have never dreamed of. Mm -hmm. They are my parents' wildest dreams. Mm -hmm. um, and so I needed to understand, I don't get all of what's happening in this generation with technology and with um, racism metastasizing and looking differently. Um, so it went underground a little bit. It's not like um, it was for my parents. It wasn't like somebody is going to physically keep you from being in the same space as them. So then that's what I experienced. But then when you're there, it's like, oh, we're gonna ignore that part and not even talk about it. So, you know, it's called the N-word in first grade, but I went to a, I went to school in a community where we all stayed together from elementary, middle and high school. So by the time I was in high school, I feel like I fought so much to just be accepted and to, and to be seen for who I was. I was a senior class president in my 12th grade year. And so people thought, well, everything is good. No, that doesn't mean everything is good. I remember what it was like you know, to be called the N-word as a normative thing, you know. So those are the types of things that I dealt with. And then I can easily think, I get it. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. My kids are going into a different school in a different season of life in a different generation. And man, I just have to pay attention. We, we get stuck in what it used to be. Mm -hmm. I yeah. in general, I mean, I think that the world does. They get stuck in what it used to be. I mean, when you talk about raising kids, you even hear parents saying like, oh, well, we did it this way and you turned out fine, you know? But it's, first of all, we've learned <laughs> a lot since then. Second of all, it's a different, it's a different time period. Yes, yes. Wow. And who's to say it was fine? <laughs> right. You say it's fine. Was it fine? Pro probably and it not. may be that in spite of, yeah. not because of. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So your girls' experiences, I love, okay, everybody listening, 
first of all, go listen to Shanira's podcast. It's called Brown Mama Bear. And she, so I emailed Shanira last night and I was like telling her the topics I wanted to talk about, you know, and I said, there's, there's an episode about education that I really want to listen to. I haven't gotten the chance to yet, but hopefully we can dive into that. Well, I finished the episode, the second part on my run this morning. I didn't even know before I started it that these episodes are with her daughter, who is a history teacher and an English teacher and debate coach. So it made it that much better and more special, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> um, I loved, though, that you were so open and vulnerable to hearing what she had to say about her experience, because I feel like as parents, we can sometimes get defensive because we think, oh, but we were doing the best that we could, right? Mm-hmm. Um but you really just asked her and listened to her. Um, so one of the things that you talked about, though, was adultifying your kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I did it. <laughs> can you talk about that and, you know, maybe even tell about us about the story when um, the history lesson, when she had to go dress up at school and then dreaded, you know, all the things coming home. Can you tell us that story? Well, there, there are several of them because I have three daughters and they um, are two years apart. So like it happened multiple times. So I did want to just listen to what her experience was because I went through it several times. So I'm like, hey, what was your experience? Um, this is what I think, Lindsay. The bottom line is we all love our kids, right? <laughs> um, and we want to do what's best for them. I came across um, a definition of love. In one of my um, one of my in a counseling session, and I loved this definition of love. Loving someone really means wanting what is best for them, and then seeking that out. So, what does it look like for me to love the little girl in her that got wounded? That's really what I'm trying to do. So I'm I'm not perfect at all. And I, I know I've messed up and you will too. And so will everyone listening. Um, but I think that the best thing is not that we're trying to be perfect, but that, that we're open for repair. And so what it looks like in these adult years that I have an adult daughter who is a teacher who pays her own bills, you know, who's you know, fully adult at this point to hear what her experience was as a child and the ways that um, that there were some things that may have not been the best for her. I just wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that she said was, you know, she was in this um, class where um, it, in the lesson, one of the things they were doing is they were looking at everyone's last name and they're looking at the origins of them. Well, she's one of the, the only black person in the class. <laughs> so um, yes, I deal with some guilt that I put my children in these spaces. Um, I was trying to give them a great education at the same time, put them in these spaces. Um, so my daughter said that she was very clear that our last name, William's son, <laughs> is really a derivative of some English name of what some slave master who owned our family not that long ago. We're talking like 10 generations, right? So in in the history of a country, not that long ago. And so she was like, that is so clear. But that's not what they were thinking of when they created the assignment and they're expecting only white people to show up. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, it's like the teacher realizes like, oh, (laughs) I've got this black child who's telling me the derivative of her name is is probably, I'm not sure, I don't know how to, 
um, come about it, it, you know, comes from enslavement. And, and, and a topic that this teacher did not want to touch with a 10 foot pole and is like not prepared, not, you know, uh, you know, all the things, which is an issue in and of itself. I think we need to prepare teachers better because mm-hmm. we don't pay them enough. So we need to prepare them better for those kind of conversations. Um, but at the same time, my daughter came home and is telling me the story. I, I can almost see myself, right, probably making dinner checking email, doing a couple of other things, making sure everyone's got stuff that they need because everyone's in extracurricular activities as well. I probably said it quickly, but I was like, and what did you say? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then what did you do? Because I was wanting her to stand up to the teacher in a way that even, even as a teenager at that age was not uh, a full-grown adult mm-hmm. and couldn't have an adult-to-adult relationship and still had this student-teacher relationship. It, there's a one-up, one-down on the power dynamic. And so for me to like press on her, she was already feeling something that the thing happened mm-hmm. and she had to deal with it. But then knowing she had to come home and if she wanted to unpack it with me, it was going to happen. <laughs> And what did you do conversation? So that's what I did. Now, I do say talking and have open conversation. Absolutely. I agree with it. But I don't think that it's always necessary. Like I would ask, so what did you do? But that's different than what did you do? Sure. It's a difference. Okay. I'm so curious because as a parent, like we walk through these things in real time, right? So things get thrown at us and we're not even expecting them. So (laughs) we're just sometimes so wildly unprepared. (laughs) And this is, this is one of the biggest values of this podcast is I get to talk to moms like you whose kids are grown. And it, Mm. to me, it almost makes me emotional because I feel like I'm getting like a big hug from someone who's been there before um, in the parenting journey. So looking back, like what is your advice to mothers who are walking through those moments in real time? Um, like how, with how we react. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I love that you feel that way. That is my intent to give a big hug. Um, but it's also, I love it's, it's a symbiotic relationship. I love having conversations with people like you who are still in it, who are still in the fight. Cause I feel like you know, I, I'm always a mom, but it's just different now. Yeah. Um, and so I love that while you're still in it, I can say things like, hey, there's a pothole up ahead. I need you to swerve so that you don't hit the way I hit it. You know, <laughs> like that to me gives me great joy. So the biggest thing I would say is just slow down. Mm. It is true that in our life and and when I was in the thick of it, like you are, that I felt like I was running a mile a minute all the time. Um, you know, to to get ready for a dance practice or a volleyball and they come home and then this happens and that happens. And um, so, you know, and then I had my own life, you know, I had the my own things that I was involved in and things that I did. So I feel like the best thing is for parents to just slow down, even if it just means breathing deeply, counting to 10 before you answer what happened in school today. And and I know that some of my white friends would have that conversation with their kids, you know, after school, like what happened. And they may not need to brace themselves as much as black and brown parents do. Because when you ask the question, what happened today? 
you kind of have to brace sometimes. They're like, okay, that happened today. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so that's the biggest thing. And then I just think staying very present with them. So instead of requiring my child to have some benchmarks of, you know, having an S on her chest and a cape around her that she had done this exceedingly great thing that I would just stay present with her to find out what's happening with her. You know, how did that experience help shape how she's thinking about herself? So I would have kept that more in the forefront of my mind as well. Gosh, when you explain like the percentage of time that the kids are at school and how much that's shaping them, Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to live in fear. We talked about that Donald Miller quote, like fear is such a ma- manipulative emotion. Um, Thanks. Donald. Yes. <laughs> and for me, it's obviously different than you because I'm a white woman and my kids are white. But um, it just really, really, really makes me want to be intentional about those few hours at home. Absolutely. And what I would say that as a white woman who is also concerned about all children, (laughs) like I know you are, the reason I started the podcast is I'm saying I'm concerned about all children. And it's this segment, black and brown children, that I don't think are getting all of the um, centering and attention that I think that we need to in order to make sure that they're getting everything that their white counterparts are getting. So in the same way, I would say as a white parent, that some of that intentionality might mean asking your child about what's going on with the black and brown children by name that are in their classroom. Like, did you see anything today that bothered you? Anything that made you sad? You know, you can ask those kind of questions. But even when I would go into my child's classroom or go to field day or something like that, and I would actually be able to put the names that I heard them talk about with the faces, Oh, that's who that is. <laughs> that even as you do that, you could ask questions like, what do you think their experience is like? You know, ha- has Kayla had a hard time? <laughs> Have you noticed that? To kind of awaken their sensibility so that they are aware that someone else might not be having the same experience that they're having. Hey everybody, I want to let you know the best vitamins out there are with Prevenex. Prevenex has clinically effective supplements that promote longevity, performance, and everyday health. I have their multivitamin that I take, and my kids also take their children's vitamin. Now, the cool thing about Prevenex is their Supervites, that's their children's vitamin, when you purchase a bottle, they also donate a bottle. So they have a really beautiful give back model where they are donating a bottle of those kids' vitamins to malnourished kids around the world. They also have great protein powder that I use in my smoothies. My kids use them. I sprinkle them on their bananas and peanut butter. It's delicious. It's such an easy way to get in some quick nutrition after a workout when you know you're on the go and have somewhere to be quickly. I usually just shake it up with water and I also eat a banana and then I get a little protein carbs all together and can move on with my day and then have a meal a couple hours later. Uh, Their protein powder is also plant-based. It is totally vegan. And I just really believe in these products. I have gotten to know the founder of Prevenex and his heart behind health, longevity, and helping others. And I'm telling you these products, you can't compare them to any vitamin you're gonna pick up at Target or CVS or wherever you go. 
check it out. You won't be disappointed. They have a money back guarantee. Go to Prevenex.com. Use the code Lindsay15, that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-5, and that will save you 15% off your order. Let me know what you think. All right, friends, back to the show. I tried to be an intentional parent while they were younger, but I love this idea of asking them questions. And um, I read a book by Andy Stanley years ago that really changed something in me, but he asked a question this way. It was called um, something about matters of the heart. And it was dealing with heart issues. And when he would put his kids to bed, he would ask, has anyone done anything to hurt your, your feelings today? And you know, whatever the answer is that, have you done anything (laughs) to hurt someone else's feelings today? That just this concept of how helping children understand, like, they're not just victims, right? They're not like, but that, there are things that can wound them, but then there are also things they do to hurt other people. Um, and, and then that's even a way of even kind of having some things cleared up to even know if there's some things you've done as a parent that's been difficult for them that day. Um, like, yeah, mom, when you answered for me every time, mm-hmm. so asked me how I was doing today that you're like, oh, I did that. I I did that. Yeah, I did that. You know, but it's also allowing them to use their voice. So asking questions to kids is just, I think, the best way to be in relationship with them. Um, Okay. Two more points I want to hit on. Um, One being, how can people, this is a kind of a big question. (laughs) Okay. Um, But how can people navigate making real change, like in the school systems as an advocate or an ally in a constructive constructive way that holds people accountable, but without making people feel like they're constantly messing up. You know what I mean? Like putting them in a place where they need to be, but not attacking them. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've got a couple of things. First, I think everyone should probably Google critical race theory and then your state's name okay. and find out if there's some new laws that have happened here in the state of Tennessee. We have three new laws that just were recently passed in 2021. And, um, and there are things about that law that would make it um, very difficult for teachers to want to talk um, about race in, in the classroom in very appropriate ways. Okay. Um, and so I would say, find out what's going on in your own community. Um, there are people who have recently gone to our um, school board meeting and have tried to ban certain books. And when I looked at what the names of the books were and what those books were, there were things like Ruby Bridges and <laughs> Dr. King. You know, it's like things that because of the law and the way it's written and it says that, you know, we can't do anything that would make um, one group feel uncomfortable or like they are um, an oppressor, (laughs) things like that, that are very general, then even a very um, academic conversation about history is one of the things that then gets kind of murky Um, And so as an advocate and as an ally, I think what you can do is to help um, in your school district to make sure that things are not erased, 
from curriculum that should be there and that things are added to the curriculum that actually should be there. And when I talk about things that should be there, I just mean giving an accurate portrayal of what was going on in every um, point of history that includes people, that includes all people. So when we talk about the enslavement of Africans in the Americas, um, it should not only be from the point of view of the people who were the enslavers that that read firsthand accounts like Frederick Douglass's autobiography, that firsthand accounts of someone who had been enslaved and then was freed. And what does he have to say about it? And so if that book gets banned, <laughs> then the education in our school system is compromised. And so that's what I would say is to just be a part of that and to not allow um, politics to get in the way of us just being um, kind humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the only way I could say. I mean, what is it that is really at stake here is that if we're going to actually make progress and moving forward, we need to tell the truth about where we've been. You know, for instance, for us to have the conversation about music, if I'm not telling you the truth about what happened in the 50s and in the 90s, then we can't move forward and have a prescription for what should happen as we move forward. And what does it look like for us to live in unity without one group's um, music being taken and them not being compensated for it, you know, that type of thing. So we need to have an accurate history. We need to have an accurate account of what it looks like to be an American. And I think that your participation in making sure that our schools are um, adequately preparing our children for the world is what we need to do. And we just need help with that. Um, I'd like to tell everyone to look up onewilco.com. It's an organization in my community, Williamson County, Tennessee, where white parents and black parents are doing a great job of having unity and talking to the school board with one voice of these are the things that we want to have happen for our children. Um, And it's just been very helpful. So I, I would say that. So know what's going on in your own in your own state so know what those laws are secondly be aware if there are books that are now being taken out of the school system um and connect with other parents in your community so that you can advocate with others um it's been really sad for me at times when i feel like um white parents actually are listened to more than black parents are. Um, And so what's been really good in our community with One Wilco has been to see white parents being willing to not always have the first foot forward, but to learn and listen and amplify the voices of, of of their counterparts, but not take over. Do you feel hopeful that's changing? I wish I could say yes, but no, I don't. Um, I think what we've seen in our country has been really sad. Um, In 2020, after the murder of George Floyd, there were so many people who were 
enraged by that and wanted to see change. And then it didn't last long before I think politics got in the way. I think um, people were scared of what change could mean and what am I going to lose if there's change. And uh, we had some people stir the pot on that as well. And um, this whole idea that that there's a replacement theory going on, that somehow minorities are going to replace um, the majority white people in America, like all of that um, is cutting against our ability to live well together. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not very um, I'm not very hopeful right now that that unless some things really change. Now, I would love to see that happen. I am I'm open for it, but there are some there are some really sad things that have been happening that I feel are like the backlash of 2020, that it's like we're talking too much about systemic racism and it makes me uncomfortable. And the backlash has been, um, you know, these new critical race theory laws that we're seeing happening in our school. And um, for us in the state of Tennessee, it's really sad because there are a lot of kids that graduate from schools, high schools, go on to college. And because they have not had a good education holistically, they are not ready for a society where there's diversity in it. Mm. Man. Okay. From your podcast, I know you said your favorite episode is with your daughter. <laughs> I've probably listened to seven episodes now and that, that was my favorite episode too. Okay. And what I loved is that you were letting her be your teacher. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this a lot. The other day I was at the pool and, you know, course correcting my kids, doing this and that and feeling really frustrated. And, you know, the woman I was sitting next to was like, it's exhausting, but like we're putting the time in now because, you know, ultimately we want to raise kids that we'd want to hang out with as adults, yes. you know? Yes, yes. And yes. I feel like you've done that, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> And I want that so bad. My oldest is 10 and, and, and I have all boys. So it's going to look different. I actually mourn this a lot because I'm like, I know how much my husband stayed in communication with his mom compared to how much I do. (laughs) And it's just, it's different. And so, you know, I don't know. I I think about that a lot because that relationship will look different, but, um, I'm yeah. curious, like how that sits with you now and, and looking back and um, yeah, just like what that relationship is like now. Well, it's so funny. Um, I, and I, I just would never want anyone to compare because everybody's got their own you know, story. So I'm not trying to say it in any way for comparison to happen. But I like who they are. <laughs> I like who they are. Um, and that is not all attributed to me. Sure. Um, yeah, I have. I have an amazing partner in crime. My husband and I have been married for 28 years. Um, I mean, kudos to him. He he was in a home with three daughters and a wife. And like, we don't even have a dog. We don't, we don't have a pet that is, a, you know, we don't. He was the only male. And, uh, and that was probably very challenging for him. Not very. I know it was challenging for him. And I think what I've learned from this whole thing is that it is exhausting, not just in the course correcting, but it's exhausting 
in being intentional and spending time with them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the thing. So even as you course correct, I would say also think about all the times that you can say yes to something mm-hmm. because you have to course correct. So like, like, especially in the summer, like look for opportunities to say yes to like crazy, stupid things. Yes, let's go get some ice cream in our pajamas at 10 o'clock. That makes no sense right now. Yes, let's go do it. <laughs> Um, I look for, for, for things that could be celebrated. My youngest one turns 21 tomorrow. I cannot wait to celebrate her. So fun. Wait to celebrate her. (laughs) Like I'm about to go get, I I keep a happy birthday banner. I feel like, oh no, this one deserves a new one. (laughs) You know, it's kind of crimpled and, you know, so I, I'm so excited. So I feel like birthdays, when I tell them the story of when they came into the world and how um, amazing it was for me to finally see their face after connecting with them when we shared a body, you know, like I just, all of those types of things are the things I think are the anecdote to the correction. Like you hate the, the course correction, but it has to happen because you don't want them to be jerks. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> you know? that's the first goal. Yeah, I don't want them to be a jerk. But but then you you look for fun. Like, what can we do that is just fun? Christmas morning for us is um, we do a birthday cake for Jesus. That's our faith, and that's how we celebrate it. So we do that. So what that means is still to this day, when we're all together for Christmas morning, we have cake first. That's awesome. That's <laughs> like, so good. Before I made him eat an egg, we're having cake. It's, it just was this silly kind of thing at one point when they were younger, but it was a way of saying, this is a place where we're going to have some fun and it's not always rigid and strict. And so I think that's the best thing that you can do in order to build the relationship that then when they don't have to, they will choose to want to be with you because there's something in the air that's just been fun. And so they want they want to come back. They want to hang out with you. Um, it also helps if you pay for them to come to the vacation. No, <laughs> you mean as they get older? My daughter's a teacher. Is like, if you want me there, you. yeah. So I'm saying we want you, so you know, <laughs> it's on me. You can eat on me. <laughs> totally. We've already talked about that. Our teachers are underpaid. Totally underpaid. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. You know, I love that sentiment and those thoughts about looking for the fun. I think right now I can do that. I can do that. I don't choose to as much as I should. I get boggled down with the fighting. Did your kids, my kids fight all the time and it makes me crazy. I'm like, just be a nice human. Yes. Well, I, I, and, I, and I understand that in sibling relationships, are they all boys too? They're all Four boys. boys. Four boys, yeah. That's a love language for them. And to roll oh, around. Physicalness. And I'm like your husband, but opposite. Because I'm like this physical yeah. nature yeah. about drives me crazy. Yeah. Like he was kind of like, do we have to talk about everything? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk anymore. So I would say if in some ways, if you could enter in without judgment. Yeah. Like, what does that look like for you to just play to? Yes. I don't know. I don't know. And like, I can I wear to... a helmet just in case like, yeah, I get kicked in the head? I don't, let them roughhouse you and you roughhouse them. Like, whatever means fun for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then and then you can draw your boundaries. You don't have to do it every day. You yeah. Know, every 
But it's funny what they what they remember is different than what you remember. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> like they they have a memory of something happening all the time that I didn't do all the time. And I'm like, okay. You're like, okay, if you want to remember it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like when little and we had DiGiorno pizza and they got to eat it in the living room on Friday night so that we could watch a video. Like it was a big deal to not have to eat at the kitchen table because that's what I made them do all the time. Yeah. But I don't eat. And so just because it was, it was odd. Like if we always ate in the living room, it wouldn't be a big deal. Right. But to do something like that, to mix it up and what you normally do, it, it can have a big reward later and you don't know it now. Hey friends, if you're looking for an awesome way to carry your phone on the go, if you're a runner or you like to work out, or you simply just need it for a bike ride to keep it safe from getting wet, use the Koala Clip. This is a great little pouch that you can throw your phone in, your ID, your keys, clip it to the back of your sports bra and head out for your run. Uh, I had a long run the other day and it was raining the entire time and my phone was kept safe and dry in my Koala Clip. And it was also super easy to access, change my podcast, change my music when I needed to do that. And this clip makes it so that your phone doesn't bounce around or yank your sports bra or anything. It is just, it stays right in place because it has this magnetic clip that clips to the back of your sports bra. Um, they also have a really cute apparel line as well. Tank tops, sweatshirts, tights, sports bras. My favorite sports bra is the Wren and I wear it every time it's clean. So go to koalaclip.com and you can use the code ANOTHER. Now that's a code from my other podcast, All Have Another. Um, The code ANOTHER will get you 15% off your order with Koala Clip. I guarantee you will not be disappointed. Go check it out. Koalaclip.com, use the code ANOTHER. All right, friends, back to the show. Yeah, you ended your last episode. Okay, I'm going to read this because I just loved this so much and then we'll do into podcast questions um you said who we raise may be even more influential in the long run than what we do raising human beings who will be caring compassionate global citizens that's important work Mm -hmm. when i heard that i was talking to my mom the other day i was like super anxious and i just felt like uh, what is my even you know on days when you feel like what is my purpose even like i just feel like am i making an impact in this world feeling like guilty that I'm not doing enough. And my mom was like, I don't know how you can feel like that raising these four boys. Like that is the biggest job you could ever have. And then I was like, am I, I guess not that it made me feel like I'm not taking it seriously enough, but it it almost just gave me this like, okay, this is really important. Regardless Mm -hmm. of all the other things going on in my life, all the other, all the other places I want to volunteer that I might not be volunteering at yet that I feel guilty about. Like this is really important work. Mm -hmm. Very important work. And I believe that with all of my heart um, that we can easily be tricked into thinking that the shiny object over there is more important and will have a a bigger um, return on investment. And Um, and I'm not saying that you don't do a lot of things, you know, I mean, I have worked outside the home. I've worked part-time. I've worked full-time. I've done, you know, 
women do a lot of different things and in different seasons of life. We we don't have um, something that's just, you know, stagnant. So we have a very dynamic life. Um, I love the fact that we have many options and choices of many things that we do. However, this idea of being intentional about the formation of human beings that live in our home that will then not live in our home anymore. Like we get the opportunity to have an influence on what's going on out there. Like we get this time right here to, it's not all we do, but it's some of what we, and it's very important. And then when we release them in the world, those are people that get to show up with compassion and kindness and empathy and the things that they learned in your home, they then get to do it out there. Mm. And don't we want people out there doing those things? So I just think it's underrated sometimes. And um, and that's why I want to encourage um, mothers. I want to cheer them along. I, that's where I am right now. I'm in the section of cheering. I'm cheering for you, Lindsay. I'm cheering people along. Um, it is hard. <laughs> it's really difficult for black and brown people. We have this other layer of making sure that the racism that is around us doesn't land on our kids and infect them. So we're constantly knocking things off their shoulder so that it doesn't take root in them. Um, So it's just hard and it's extra work that we have to do. Still, I would do it all over again. I love who they are as people. So my children are, my youngest will be 21 tomorrow, 21. The next one's going to be 23 in November, and then the next one will be 25 in November. And when we get together, they're so different from each other, different from me, different from my husband. They bring a perspective to the world that I wouldn't have without them. Mm. So I just love being with them. And they don't have to really do anything. I just, I'm like, just who you are (laughs) is enough. And so that alone shows me the full circle-ness of it, that yes, I was giving in some ways, but I received a lot as well because that's the nature of relationships. So just being in a relationship with kids is way more important than instructing. Oh, I love it. I just feel like I could just soak so much up from you. You're so, I, you know, <laughs> I say it again. I just love talking to moms who've been there before. All right. What is something professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done yet? I would love to host a talk show. Oh, you'd be so good. <laughs> you'd be so good. Never done it before, but it would be fun. Um, what is the best, most recent book you've read? Faithful Anti-Racism by Dr. Christina Edmondson and Chad. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to forget his name. Oh, that's so bad. You, can, right, look, it, it you, want, you can look it up. Okay. Faithful anti-racism. Um, do you have a kid's book you recommend? Or like teenage kids, college kids, whatever? Yes. Okay. So my friend, Darina Williamson, we're not related. We have the last same last name, um, wrote a book called Colorful. Um, it's a kid's book. I highly recommend that for your little kiddos. Um, then there was this one that I used to read to my kids all the time called You Are Special. And it was about... Um, not comparing yourself to other people. Oh, it's so good. It's really meant for the, the adults in the room. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's a, like a board book. And as I was reading it, I would, I, I was always <laughs> like, hmm. like, like put them to bed and I'm still thinking about it. Um, so I would definitely 
suggest that one as well. Um, okay, T like tween book, the summer I turned pretty. Okay. And it, they just made it into um, a little series that I did watch with my daughter. But my youngest daughter reads that book every summer. So <laughs> and she's been doing it since she was twelve. The summer I turned pretty. Okay. Um, you know, one of the other things you mentioned in your, your summer episode was, you know, doing the little things instead of like, you know, we think, oh, we got to go to the beach, go to these big vacations. And I'm curious what your answer will be to this question based okay. on that. Is there a trip or a special place that you've taken your family that you recommend? Okay. Our family enjoys Hilton Head. Um, we love Hilton Head, South Carolina for this reason. Um, when we go to Hilton Head, we can ride our bikes without like a lot of traffic and whatever. And it's quiet and it's, you know, just like chill and it doesn't take us long to get there. Oh, what's, and... what's your drive from Nashville? It's about eight hours from okay. Nashville. Um, but it's just, a. A lot of people go to a swankier beach on uh, in Florida from this area. Okay. And like, I hope this doesn't make people not want to go. It's not like swanky, but it just feels like grounded. Like yeah. it's, you know, I, I've loved it ever since we went the first time when my kids were in middle school. There's Spanish moss hanging from the trees. I pulled it down. I have it in a glass bowl near our picture from the beach. <laughs> so <laughs> like good. We, we made good memories in, in Hilton Head. And a funny thing happened uh, one year that we went there was um, the year that they brought down the Confederate flag over the state capitol. Wow. And there was a young woman who kind of like scaled it and was like, I'm bring it down because they were lawmakers were taking too much time to, you know, like they were being political about it instead of just being like, do what's right. Take it down. <laughs> what makes sense take it down and um and my sister knew that we were in Hilton Head she knew we were in South Carolina and she asked if one of my daughters was (laughs) (laughs) which one but uh, (laughs) like oh yeah your girls would have done that they would have scaled it and said look this is just coming down y'all are taking too long (laughs) oh my gosh well you said your girls are all so different they're so different they're so very different my oldest one um is, is, a, is a contemplative person. She would easily be the kind of person who could be an ambassador to another country because um, she really looks at things from both sides and mm-hmm. tries to come to a consensus with people. Like she could negotiate a peace deal. Is this the teacher? <laughs> yeah, that's the teacher. I, yeah. got, I get that sense from her from that conversation. Yeah, do you do that? Like, yeah, she's very much like even-handed in that way. Um, she was a ballerina. And um, so that was her form of dance. And so like something that was hard to do on point and, you know, all these minuscule things that you have to do when you're looking in the mirror, like for some reason that just resonated with her. Um, So she enjoyed that a lot. Um, My middle one is a creative. Um, She was one who did really well in school, but like I never saw her study. (laughs) Like they went to this really difficult um, uh, high school that, you know, academically, and I'm like, when, when are you going to crack a book? Uh-huh. And she was involved in everything. Like she did volleyball, she did this, da, 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 da. and 
she did her work, you know, she got really great grades, but it, I, I feel like the grades kind of came easy for her in some way, um, that it, it just felt like it didn't take a whole lot of that. And she is a full-time dancer right now. Oh, so cool. she, um, she's been in a couple of <clears throat> videos that are like, if I told you the artist, you'd be impressed, but like, you know, she doesn't let me name drop. So. Oh man. <laughs> She does stuff like that, and she's a choreographer and a dance teacher. And oh, just that is so cool. And um, so I love that about her. And I think it was very brave of her to come to me and my husband and to say that I'm going to postpone the rest of my college career because I'm going to pursue this. Like, that took guts. <laughs> For sure. And she did it. And what did you say? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm cheering completely. Yeah. But um I just was nervous. Oh, I for was sure. Nervous. So yeah. Well, That's... it's hard when you think about it because you're like, will you ever go back? And like it just like yeah, yeah. in the moment it's like you're already doing it, just finish it. But time time is so different when you're that age. Like in, in your that. mind. But a dancer's career, it's much like, you know, they're very much an athlete as well as a creative. And so if you don't do it now, oh, like sure. I really came to the, if you don't do it now, you never will. So you've got to do this. Totally. You know? I know. But, I always said that about like, if you were an NBA, going to play in the NBA or something, like, why would you risk not, if you could get drafted, why would you risk getting injured and not just going now? Exactly. Exactly. And so why would I not cheer for my daughter? Yeah. For sure. Thing? You know, so I cheer for that. And then my youngest is, um, she's a college student. She's at Howard University. She is a feeler. She loves to paint and draw and do photography. And she is a psychology major. And she would make an amazing therapist for someone one day. She just, like, has a level of empathy for people mm. that just surprises me all the time. So now I'm trying to think who is the one that would have climbed the flagpole. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not but the middle one would have done no, that's what that's who it. i thought the middle yeah. but no all three of them would have done yeah. it for, different, for yeah. different reasons but my sister thought it was the middle was one like, is that <laughs> oh my goodness you know we are trying we moved to i told you we live in raleigh now and so i was like we got to figure out what beach is like the beach we go to like I'd like yeah. to try out a few but like just for simplicity reasons it feels right to like have a place you go like it feels like a home away from home yes well, Wilmington's only two hours for you yes I just it's met a new friend and like two weeks into our relationship because that's what it is now you know you date as adults you date your yes. friends right you do. you do and um she was like uh, I'm gonna pass off my babysitter to you because we're moving to Wilmington and I was like crushed I felt like I was getting broken up with I was like you're moving I this oh, was no. blossoming no 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 it just means you have a new place there to we go. go now there yes. we go she yes. is one of those people's people where I feel like even if I only know you for a short time here this doesn't yep. have to end because you're moving two hours away so yeah, yeah. for sure and <laughs> Wilmington is beautiful Wilmington's beautiful beautiful yeah um what okay. At my grandmother's house because oh yeah <laughs> it's in Wilmington it's in Wilmington yeah. yeah um so here's my last question and I'm gonna make it a little bit specific normally I just say what is your last message to leave with our audience but your platform 
brown mama bear you're so passionate about. And by the way, I saw you're doing your first meetup, which is so cool. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, what is your message for other parents of brown and black children who might be listening, um, brown mama bears like yourself? Well, my message to brown mama bears everywhere is you need support, you need encouragement, you need input. Um, so you have to surround yourself with other parents who understand what you're going through. Um, please listen to the podcast, not because I'm just trying to have more followers, but because I really do want to provide a place that feels safe for you to think through all of the extra work that you're going to have to do. And then the biggest thing is don't be afraid of the extra work. Don't run from it. Um, don't be um, unwilling to do it because it's hard. But with all of the support that you can get from Brown Mama Bears, you too can do the extra work that we have to do to protect our children from the effects of racism that is around us and to provide for them all that they need to know so that they understand just how special they are and therefore they can make a unique impact on the world. See, you could have hung this all up. Like you were done raising your kids, but now you're like just pouring into the lives of women who are going through it like you were. Oh, it's because it was so stinking hard. Lindsay, yeah. that can't be for nothing. That wasn't just for me. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, it was way too hard. When my youngest one went to college, I physically was so um, exhausted that I, 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 I thought I was going to have the breakdown of, oh my gosh, I don't <laughs> when I saw the empty room when I came back home. But that wasn't really the case as much as it was, man, I just went through something really hard. If it was only for me, that's a waste. Mm. Like somebody else has got to get some of the benefit from going through that difficulty. So that's the reason I said, well, let's just turn around and, and do something. And that's when I started the podcast after my youngest went to college. So good. Thank you so much for everything. And you've just been such a fun guest and I appreciate all that, all that I've learned from you. And I know so many moms are going to benefit from your podcast and the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Shanira, for sharing your story. Learn more about what she's doing at brownmamabear.com. Check out her podcast, Brown Mama Bear. You can find me on Instagram. Personally, I'm lindsayhine626. You can find this podcast, Why Is Everyone Yelling? And learn more about all of our shows at sandyboyproductions.com. I thank you so much for being here today. I hope this episode was helpful for you. Have a great rest of your day, and we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?